Welcome to a special edition of Buddha at the Gas Pump. I was contacted by Boris Yanch a little while ago, who has made a movie called Who's Driving the Dream Bus? Interesting movie, and Boris is going to tell us in a minute what that movie's about. He's having a conference pretty soon um, based on the theme of this movie over in London, and he suggested we have a little conversation to sort of broaden awareness that this conference is coming up and they invited uh, Tim Freak and Lisa Cairns both of whom I've interviewed in the past and so I thought great that'll be fun you can look up my previous interviews with Tim and Lisa but Tim is a philosopher or lover of wisdom as the word means who is pioneering a simple new way to experience a profound spiritual awakening which fully embraces our everyday humanity I won't go on because we only have an hour and Lisa talks worldwide with people about non-duality or oneness, the aliveness that always is, no matter what is imagined in it. Subject, object, good, bad, right, wrong, beauty, ugly, me, you. Boris will introduce himself and tell us a little bit about Dream Bus. Go ahead, Boris. Hi, thanks, Rick. Um, so, Who's Driving the Dream Bus was um, a project that I started about 15 years ago, and I used to run a production company, and I was kind of in a since my early 20s I had this deep yearning to find answers to the big questions in life and um, so I tried everything from lucid dreaming to astral projection to Reiki to hypnosis to meditation I kind of dipped my toes in everywhere and I read a lot of uh, spiritual books philosophy I was always left thinking okay what next this deep yearning turned into a, what I would say is a, is a deep depression and that really was the inspiration for making a film and contacting various people and exploring these big questions um, all around the notion of who am I? Um, what's this waking, dreaming thing that we all find ourselves in? Because mm-hmm. um, it's a bit bonkers. And then I started contacting people and the people who I spoke to were people that I had either come across while reading certain books or you know on YouTube and it developed over time. Eventually, I was drawn to the notion of non-duality. That seemed like, as Rupert Spira puts it, it seemed like it's the final furlong in, in, in terms of the search for, for answers to, to this life. Having explored everything else from religion to philosophy, spiritual teachings, uh, non-duality, the notion of non-duality seemed to be the final where, you know, the search ended. To cut a long story short, the the film is basically um, a personal journey going through all of the big questions with a few fantastic speakers like Timothy Freak, Tony Parsons, Jeff Foster and a few others. And so Who's Driving the Dream Bus, the event, is is basically further exploring ideas within that film. So Lisa, you weren't in the film, but are you going to be speaking at the conference? Yeah. Okay, so that's why we invited you. It's interesting because Boris uh, suggested to me that there was some difference of perspective between you and Tim and that that might make for a little bit of controversy which might make the interview interesting. So sorry to put you on the spot there, Boris. Perhaps we could just have each of you, Lisa and Tim, lay out your notion of what the film talked about and what, had you been in the film, and in, in Tim's case you were, what you presented as your perspective. Maybe starting with Lisa. Wow, what I thought the film was about. Well, do you want me to give you a seed thought? Go for it. Okay. The very title of the film implies that the world is a dream or an illusion, you know, and that 
there may not be anyone driving this dream bus of a world. That, and a lot of the speakers in the film emphasize that there really is no person. Tony Parsons is the most notorious for emphasizing that. And therefore, since there's no person, there's nothing to do, no one to do it. It's all kind of going on automatically. Other people introduce more of a, a kind of a driver in the bus and say, yeah, you know, there's a, that, that's true on some level, but I also feel like I am a person in addition to maybe being a non-person, that I'm making choices and I'm feeling things as a human being and, and there's free will as far as I can perceive. So those seem to be contradictory perspectives. So where would you fall on that spec? There doesn't seem to be anybody driving the dream bus from here. But that doesn't say about what the, the film's about, but from this perspective there just seems to be life happening just life happening and in that there's an appearance of choice or there's appearance of uh, ideas but that still doesn't imply somebody's driving it choiceless choice but the film I felt like the film was Boris's exploration of this subject mm -hmm. which is a really sweet exploration of who he was and his relationship with the world that's what I felt the film was about okay and but so your experience though is yeah. that there there are choices, there are preferences, and so on, but there doesn't seem to be a chooser or a preferer. In other words, the, there is no one who is having these choices. There are just choices ex showing up in the dream. Yeah. I wouldn't call it in the dream, but choices appear. Uh -huh. A choice appears to choose to drink tea, my tea, mm -hmm. um, or to grab the cup, but it doesn't appear for someone. Sometimes action just happens, sometimes a thought appears, choose something, and sometimes it's a combination of both. But it still doesn't imply somebody's there. And when there's no choice, there's no choice. When there's no thought coming up, I'm going to choose the tea, there's just what else is happening. What? Yeah, okay. So, so in other words, you can't sort of identify or locate a drinker of the tea or a chooser of the thought or an owner of the dog or whatever. There's just these things that you... that There's are just life happening. Life There's happening. What's happening. Always just what's happening. It's so simple. It's just what's happening and it doesn't belong to somebody. The somebody only ever is in interpretation. How would that contrast if it does with your experience, Tim? Well, my own feeling is that that is a very beautiful statement of half the picture. <laughs> uh, and uh, I had the delight of being with Lisa on a panel at the Science and Reality <laughs> Conference and thoroughly enjoyed her playfulness in that perspective, which I delight in and love. What is interesting me is something else or slightly different, but I really relate to what Lisa was saying because it was something which fascinated me also for a very long time. And that's not to say that it's lesser in any way. I just feel like there may be more to say. I'm very suspicious when human beings end up saying it's the final furlong or we've arrived. And, and I think, oh, this is a very big, mysterious business we're in. And I suspect we're always at the beginning, not the end. As someone who feels very much at the beginning, I'd like to say a couple of things, really. One is, I think, this image of the dream, and it's, it's a metaphor. You know, in science, they use metaphors, like they used to compare the world to a machine in which all the cogs turned, there was no free will, it was just a machine. And then we got other metaphors, like it's a hologram or it's a computer. And these are all objects. Now, in spirituality, the metaphors tend to be subjective metaphors because spirituality is a subjective investigation. So the natural metaphor is dream, and I use that a lot. And what's great about the dream metaphor is it captures actually, for real, some, in a very deep part of actually what I experience, which is the awake state seems to me like a lucid dream. 
And what strikes me about a lucid dream is that you don't wake up from this. You don't go, oh, it was all an illusion. It's all What you actually find is you're in it and you're, it's in you at the same time, like a dream. So when you're dreaming, you still experience being a person in a dream, making choices, having an experience, seeing from one perspective, making other dream people. And the dramas are important. They matter. The, they're transformatory. You can le- and you can learn and you can go on a, a journey. and There's a story. And at the same time, you, when you're lucid, when you're lost in the dream, that's all you see. But when you're lucid dreaming, you see that also the opposite is equally true. That you are not in the dream at all. That you are the dreamer who's dreaming the whole thing. And from that perspective, you are the whole dream. You're everything and everyone in the dream. And you see this beautiful paradox that you're both separate and individual from looking at the dream. And you're the whole thing at once. And that captures for me much more what I experience, which is, oh, these two sit together. And I can't prejudice one over the other. They're both part of the nature of reality and here it's very simple like Lisa says it's all mystery it's all one it's all happening and here it's the opposite it's very personal it's very complex it's very tender it's very vulnerable it's very human and they both sit together oh my god and what's exciting me about who's driving the dream bus conference is because you know and I, I may be wrong about this I'm ready to be shown completely wrong but from what I can see the non-dual community is moving and changing and I'm so pleased Because when I first really came across this 15 years ago, whenever it was, 20 years ago, it was pretty non-duality, wasn't much spoken about. I was very influenced by people like Ramesh Balsakar, had a very extreme non-dual view because it was hugely exciting and took me to a very interesting place. I'd, I'd never really seen it so clearly as when Ramesh showed it to me. But the journey didn't stop. I thought it had stopped, but it didn't. It carried on. It was more interesting. It moved back into this both and, so that the personal, rather than being the illusion and the thing to get rid of, suddenly became, yeah, it's all one. Now this is really interesting. Oh, yeah, it's all a dream. Now what is the dream? Is this just some mistake? Is the fact of our individuality, 13 and a half billion years of evolution, some error? Uh, you know, some illusion we've fallen into, and if only if it would go away, we'd all be better off, or is actually it really precious, really important, but to really see what it is, we need to also have this perspective of seeing that it's all one. And in that way, if I just maybe add one thing, you know, put, if I put on my scholarly hat, because I wrote a number of scholarly books when I was younger, one of the most popular was on Gnosticism and the ancient mysteries. And what fascinated me about Gnosticism and the ancient mysteries is they had this initiatory process, which they saw as a natural process, I think, that human beings went through when they awakened. And the first step was moving from identification with the body to identification with the separate soul. And that's what you can see in the New Age movement, the personal development movement, all the things that I suspect most of us have come across and been through in some way. And then there was this big jump, which they called the pneumatic or spiritual initiation, which is when you come right out of the personal and you go, oh my God. And that's the non-dual. You just come out and it's, oh my God, and you see that it's all just happening. You know, there's, it's a revelation. You think this, it was all about developing a person and suddenly you're not one. And it's, whoa, but it doesn't stop there. The initiatory process moves on to what they call the mystical marriage or the sacred marriage, which is the being, bringing together of all opposites in which they are both two and one at the same time. What I'm interested in is I think the non-dual community is moving in that direction. That's what I really noticed in these events I've been seeing, is that more and more people are coming through to the point where they're realizing that the personal, our lives, is not something to be dismissed, not, not, not something to just, just ignore, but actually is really, really important. And there's a greater authenticity coming in, which I love. And the most important thing, when there's both and, there is love. 
There really is, because the love is in the human. It comes through from the one into the many. So I'm really hoping that there's going to be an interesting debate about the no one's there versus, yeah, and also somebody there, this both-and perspective. And who in, are you on the panel with, Tim? I think I'm with Tony, which I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> Oh God! I got to see that. Which will, be, which, which will be great. I really hope so. Cause, it's Tony uh, and who else? Who else am I with? Boris. <clears throat> uh, Richard Lang, I believe. Yes. Uh, oh, the, the headless guy. way. Ah right. Yes. Okay. Great. Great. Uh, but it'll be fun. I think it's great panels because I think it's lovely. I mean, in one way, you never get to hear really where someone's coming from because you're moving between people. But it's so lovely when you can hear human beings who are who are explorers who have who have actually bothered to really question this and have found something which they think is bothered, worth sharing and which people are interested in hearing about and then we can compare notes well that's where i'm coming from it's much more of a explorer of the mystery and there's uh, there's a there's a kind of a, a a human or humility i guess which i love when we can just reach into the mystery completely as equals before this enormous mystery <laughs> and go hmm looks like this what do you think and and i love that Hey Tim, I'm curious. In those Gnostic traditions that you mentioned, do they discuss the uh, tendency for people to feel that whatever stage they have, arri have arrived at is final, and to not anticipate that there might be something more? I haven't come across that because I mean the literature from the Gnostic period in the ancient period is very, you know, we don't have a huge amount, but right. I've certainly I certainly see that, and I see it myself. I mean, mm -hmm. let let me say that, you know, I. When I was much, much, much younger, when I was a teenager and found my guru who was the perfect master, you know, I'd arrived already. <laughs> I'd already found the answer, and then that was not the answer, and I moved on to other answers. Until now, it feels like, no, there's, always, there's never arriving without traveling, just as there's never traveling without arriving. The two always go together. There's always more, and thank God, you know, thank God there's always more. So, Lisa, what did all that sound like from your perspective that, that Tim just said? Well, in all honesty, it was just sounds appearing. It was very nice, and I enjoyed listening to Tim. But what else is it but that? True, but I sounds... I hope, I hope it's a little more than that, Lisa, because when you speak, I can hear meaning in what you're in the sounds you're making. If it was just sounds, it would just be yeah. la 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 But I can hear meaning, which is, is amazing. I mean, obviously, they make sense if there's a certain type of listening, they, like a focused-in listening. If there's a broad listening, then it tends not to make so much sense, but if there's a focus in listening, then the words seemingly fit together and make sense. But yeah, it doesn't mean to be a dismissal of, um, of what you're saying, but it's just sounds appearing. It's not it. It's not the way it is. It can never be the way it is. The way it is is the way it is, is what is now. It's true. It, sound, it sounds appearing, and, and your dog is lots of little cells living, but somehow you give interpretation to that as a dog whom you love and whom you play with and whom you if feed. If that happens, it might not happen. Generally, it tends to if we want to be functional in the world, does it not? No, because it's not seen like that from here. It doesn't seem like I have to put any effort into There's a Lisa here that has to be, put effort into being functional. Life just happens. It's so simple. It just happens. There's feeding the dog, or there's patting the dog, or there's telling the dog no, or picking the dog up, or sitting the dog on the lap. Or now, it doesn't feel like I'm having to put effort. There's a me well, in here having to put effort into speaking. Speaking just comes out. Do you not like effort, Lisa? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Come on, you're making this effortful. No one said anything about effort. I mean, fine. Everything. I, I mean, couldn't everything Tim said have been interpreted as 
it could be interpreted many ways. Some some beings would interpret it as genius. Some beings would interpret it as crap. Some beings would interpret it as not making any sense. It could be interpreted lots of different ways. It's no def definite way. It's just what it is. Tim, you want to respond to that? <laughs> I, I, well, I, could, I could, but I'm trying not to. We, do all we, we've been here before. Lisa is a, a bit of drama. Lisa is at the most articulate, in my view, when she laughs engagingly and blows us all away. Um, because yeah. at that point, no, really, I'm not being funny now, and I'm not trying to. I'm, not, I'm really, I really mean it. Because at that point, you express, I think, what you see perfectly. Because it's something which isn't to do with words. Yeah. And yeah. and therefore, when you come to words, I hear you struggle because what you're saying is ha ha la la. And I get that. I really. It doesn't. Get it doesn't that. feel like a struggle. It's just. No, the no, there's no struggle. I can see it. Just it, you know, oh, which, is why, which yeah. is why when I say when you smile like you are doing now, it's the most articulate because at that point there's no words. It's just flying out of your eyes, and I mm. get it. I really, really do. And I really get also that right now on your journey, this is where you want to be. Uh, or the life wants you to be if you don't like that, or the nobody wants you to be, or whatever it is, or the one has put you, or whatever works for you. And <laughs> I, that doesn't mean that you won't spend the rest of your life articulating this for people beautifully. I mean, I, it's not you know, it's not that you will must move on, or you will move on, or there's even you know, it doesn't matter. I love the fact that consciousness is exploring itself, the life better to say is exploring itself from so many different directions. And like you, I don't think there's any way of saying it this right because but I don't, I don't it's not going to happen. But maybe we should get into this subject as the, the title of the film is Dream Bus. But I don't see a you or me. That's only an interpretation, which isn't wrong, interpretation. But who is this you or me? Well, I think the you or me arises here, Lisa. And I think it's fairly obvious. And I think when we start saying things which misses out the obviousness of our experience, we've kind of become like fundamentalist religion religion does, kind of says things which are kind of a bit like, hang on a second, I really think that. So, for instance, you know, I am separate from you as a conscious being. And that's obvious because I can think a thought now and I can know what it is and you don't know what it is. Now, we're having that experience and you're, you're, you're the same and Rick's the same and, and Boris is the same. So we, the thing we need to understand is, our, is where we start from. That's where we start. And then we can come to this deep place where we can realize that the, fee, that the being on which that's arising is not separate. And it's not. But the experience of being a conscious being is separate. And that's very obvious. And I think any, and any, if we deny that, we've kind of moved into a realm of fantasy, whereby we're we losing touch. But are we fantasy already saying we are somebody? Well, for instance, well, let's go back to my example. What am I thinking? I'm a conscious being. I'm having a consciously separate experience, and you have no access to it. So there's a, on that level, there's clearly a you or I as conscious beings. I don't think that can be disputed, can it? I'm sure it could be. But, um, <laughs> well, can, can, can we? How can we? Because we're clearly having different conscious experiences. But that's an idea. We're different, we're, we're different bodies. We're different bodies. But you don't thing. even see your body now. There's well, not even a Tim that sees his body. I can, I can, I, there, is, there, is a, there is something here on one level. There's also you know, nothing here on another level. But that's an imagination. Level. That's all an interpretation. I think you're getting confused because everything obviously is, is that we say is going to be language. There's no two ways about that. And everything we think is going to be language, we can't do anything about that. So that's, you know, that to, if we just go back to, oh, it's just a, a language with everything that's said, it will always be right. You know, yeah. if, if everything that's said to you, you just but go, it's right, language, that wasn't, that wasn't it, will, it, will, it will always be right because there is only language. With but which what I was trying to point out is that, um, is that it's interpretation that you are a body 
Yes, I'm not. I'm not identifying necessarily by saying I am this body, or but I am certainly saying there is a body in this room on one level, and there's and there is. Or let's get let's stick with conscious being because that's the one that I think is most intriguing with you. There is I I there I there is a conscious being here looking through at conscious being through this amazing internet over there, and we can connect. I think as separate, very obviously, and also as not separate. And there's both. And I think that the problem generally is that people don't see the not separate. They don't see where we're one being, which is a huge loss. But to replace it by not seeing that we're also separate is also a huge loss. Because what makes you so interesting is you're not the same. You're, you think different thoughts. You have different things arising. You're as conscious of being in that room. Mm. It, it doesn't, um, that doesn't make so much sense here because there's just what's happening and what's happening that... Okay, let me just pick you up. You just said it doesn't make much sense here. Yeah. Now, the fact that it's here and not there, which is where this is, so yeah. but over here it's this. That here is a point is a reference point. And 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 that reference point is what is separate. You are a you are like a you are like a, a different wave in the one sea. You are like a different point in the a, a conscious a point of consciousness in the great unconscious field of being. But we are different points in the one unconscious field. Aren't we? You, know, you said you have no, a different no, perspective. I well, I completely don't. I completely, well, how do you have a different perspective then? The the different perspective is is that it's all seen as what is. But it's your perspective. But it's not mine. Isn't who, it? So do you see? It must be, there's I? two. There's a conversation. It may be a duet for one, but it's still a duet. I just don't see an I and a you. I just there is just aliveness happening. Being true, this, lots true. of different forms appearing. Now the, the, the work that, sorry, sorry, Lisa. And I'll I don't. That's okay. I don't see a Lisa. The problem There's I no have with, with what you're saying. I, it's just there is no Lisa. There's just what's happening. Let me throw something into the pot. It's a good thing you guys are in separate countries. But um, no, no, we're in the same country. I think. Oh, I, oh, I thought you were in. Can, I thought Rick, you were in Spain. Before you throw yeah. something new in, Rick, can uh -huh. I just can I just pick up on one little word, um, which I'd love to do. <laughs> You see, I think there's there's a word um, which um, I'm probably not very fond of. I don't, most words I don't mind, but this word I'm not particularly fond of. And it's the word just. Because when the word it's just is used, it's nearly always a sign of reductionism. It's just this. No. You know, it's like when scientists go, look, you know, you may be falling in love, but it's just chemicals in your body. Or you know, which Einstein ridiculed. Or it's just the you know the cause and effect of gravity. Or and it is that obviously it's that. How interesting! But it's not just that. It's a whole spectrum of things. And the same happens with non-duality. You hear this: it's just. Well, it is that, but it's not just that. It's actually a whole spectrum. The the the, the great miracle of being is it expresses itself in a whole spectrum, of which that. Oneness is is the ground, but the expression is into uniqueness and individuality. And I and I, I I personally personally feel that that is the most important thing about this life process is the its expression into individuality. Do you want to respond to that, Lisa? It's just uh, very simple here, <laughs> and I don't see it as here as in Lisa's body. That's most probably what it sounds like. Is it's just life happening. And it doesn't happen to someone or for someone. It's just life happening. It's completely impersonal. And I think you're speaking sincerely from your experience, as is Tim. As um, we can uh, 
Pardon? Not sure of whose experience we're talking from, though. Right, but there's a functioning mechanism there, which we we appear, which we see as Lisa, which is, which is um, perceiving or understanding life to be a certain way, to be just what's happening, and it, and has the capability of expressing that to us. But I don't but, know all those things, actually. But you don't know all those things. I just don't. I don't know that there's a mechanism that's perceiving and receiving or anything that you said. All that's known is what is. And in that, thoughts and words and everything are coming out, but none of it's known, none of it's truth. No, none, none of it, you're right, it's none of it's truth. And the odd thing, for, for, the odd thing about being Tim Freak in these conversations, <laughs> which I have many, uh, is I get to represent celebrating separateness as opposed to waking up to oneness, whereas really I'm about both. And I, and I hear what you're saying, and I think it's so important to have the perspective that you have. I really, really, you know, I really do. It's just that in the articulation of it, because what you're trying to say cannot be said, if in the articulation of it, it can't help but kind of turn around on itself. So when you say nothing else is known as truth, that's absolutely right, but certainly a lot more is known. You, you know, you, every sentence that you speak is arising from a whole history of speaking, not just no, of you, but of the whole culture. Tim. I that's know it's not the experience, but if you look more carefully, that must be the truth in that sense. That what you, that in saying those sounds and responding in that way to me, that makes that, very logical sense. Well, it's, it's not about idea. logic; it's just about looking and but, just looking and listening because the words are not just sounds; they carry meaning, and that's why they're so interesting. So we need to account for some sounds have meaning. What's that? Where's that arise from? But that, but that makes very logical sense that it arises from the past. But that's not the actual experience that anything arises from the past. No, the past you, arises that, in this. That, that, that's right. But but in trying to understand the nature of reality, we have to get. I think we have to actually again. You know, when you're stuck in time, it's such a revelation to come into the now. When you're stuck into the stuck in the now, and you think that's all there is because it isn't all there is. It really is. There's a past and there's a future, and we live in it. Right now, we're living in both, all of it. It's you know, you eventually, I think, you come back and you go, ah, look, hang on, I've, I've ended up in an absurdity, which is very interesting, but it's an absurdity because it's one side of a very um, paradoxical reality, a very paradoxical predicament, and you're able to reown your humanity and come back to where you started and know the place for the first time, as T.S. Eliot says, or in the Zen koan. You know, it starts with you trying to master the bull in the Ten Bulls story, and then you give up on that, and then you discover eventually the eighth uh, of the Ten Bulls, which is the empty circle. There is nothing. And then there's nine and ten, and it doesn't end with the empty circle. The Ten Bulls story goes on in the Zen tradition, and it ends with the Zen master walking through the marketplace where he started with a bottle of wine in one hand and a staff in the other, just laughing and playing, because he's, he's no longer up the mountain. He's come back down to the marketplace, and all of this is allegories human beings have created throughout time to account for the same kind of process, in which eventually, you know, they, they, again, to quote the Zen tradition, they put it beautifully, you start with mountains of mountains, rivers of rivers, then suddenly mountains aren't mountains and rivers aren't rivers, and then again mountains and mountains and rivers are rivers. And there's a time when you kind of, it feels like, look, we can come back to our humanity just as it is and embody it as it is with this deep knowing of the oneness of being. And that's love. That's where the love flows. Because we're right in touch with our humanness in all of its 
complexity. Can you quote that Nisargadatta quote where he said something like that? You remember that? Nisargadatta said, yeah, the, one of his quotes that I love is, is wisdom is, is, I can't remember verbatim, but uh, Lisa might, it's something about um, um, that, that um, it, and I'm thinking of Suzuki Roshi, who says wisdom is the nothing, is the emptiness of things, and love is the manyness of things. But um, Nisargadatta says almost the same thing about that. Except the, my life, my life flows between hangs, those two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hangs, flows. <laughs> And that's it. Flows between those two poles. Beautifully put. There's the manyness, which is where we're all separate. Here's the oneness, where we're all one. Just like a dream. And that we can, we're in both. We're already in both. We just have to pay enough attention to see we're both in the now, always, and yet also the now is arising in this process of time, which is what makes it so interesting. Even to make a noise like this requires time, because until I reach the end of the sentence, it makes no sense. This is where the story is. It's like, and, and you know, you can look at a story. You can look at a movie. And this is what reductionism does. Reductionism looks at the movie and it goes, look, it's, you know, well, there's two, two reductionisms. There's scientific reductionism, which looks at it and goes, it's just the DVT, DVD. It's, not, it's nothing. It's just, it's just information on a disc. That's all it is. It's just that. And then there's spiritual non-dual reductionism, which just goes, it's just colored flickering lights. It's just colored flickering lights. And then in between, you can go, it's both of those and it's a story. And that story is the human experience, and it's precious. Lisa said something about 15 minutes ago, uh, and maybe you can remember what it was when I start saying it, but you said something about, well, yeah, if we focus down, then it means this. But, you know, the implication being that it's sort of um, a concession with duality or something to focus down. Um, my understanding and experience is that the full, if we want to use the word enlightenment, which is, you know, I hesitate to use because it's so loaded with connotations, but is the capacity or the ability to be, to, to appreciate the unboundedness and focus within precise boundaries simultaneously and to, you know, imbue or to acknowledge all the meaning and significance and, and importance of those boundaries and yet to see them essentially as the boundless. And, and that's paradoxical. I mean, an enlightened person, so to speak, should be able to pilot a 747 in a snowstorm, uh, you know, and remain in that silent, uninvolved, unboundedness and appreciate all the diversity that he's experiencing as essentially being that, and yet at the same time, you know, really pay attention to what he's doing and, and land the plane safely. There's no contradiction or, or conflict between uh, the meaning and significance of, of the, all the things in the world that we value and that we interact with and the unboundedness, the, 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 deepest, the deeper reality. Is there? Well, I don't think I'm an enlightened person, so I think I'm out. Well, I, I cautioned you about, you know, hes my hesitancy <laughs> to use that term. But, and, of course, you're not a person. And <laughs> I'm just, there's just what is. It's just very simple here. There's just what's happening. It's a bit of a bore for people because people like drama and like lots of words, tend to, not all the time, and like, um, yeah, and like looking at it from different levels. But it's just what's happening. And I'm not an enlightened person. I, that's an, that would be another story that happens to someone in a story, which is an right. impossibility because where are stories now? Stories are just imaginations. So there's an imagination of you being someone that's enlightened. Ah, so that would that just, just be, word again, you see. 
there would be a complete fantasy. <laughs> it's just imagination. What about it's imagination? Wow. Well, it's not wrong with imagination. Right. But it's imagination, and it's not who you are. It's just another thing that's appearing in this, the same as the light or the sounds or the smells or... You see, but don't you ever get, I mean, I, I mean, I feel funny here because I'm so delighted you're in this state, Lisa, and I have no desire whatsoever. I'm not in the state. Well, all right, sorry, whatever way you choose to describe <laughs> it, that you're Lisa or that Lisa doesn't exist or whatever it is that it captures it in words for you. But I'm just delighted you're you, and I'm delighted yeah. that you, you are able to, to bring this into our world in the way you do. So, And I'm aware that we're playing out this conversation, which can make it sound like I'm trying to convince you of something, which I'm not. But I'm intrigued that you are not intrigued by the uh, colours as well as the light. Uh, um, well, I think that you mean by the colours as in like thinking or... No, no I mean everything. That's everything which is multifarious, everything yes. which is diverse, everything which is unique, everything which is individuating into a new form, and all the processes which happen over the course of time. Well, she, may be, she may be more intrigued than you realize. I mean, she, for instance, I know Aunt Lisa's an animal lover, and she, she now has a dog, and I'm sure she loves the dog and plays with the dog, and, and there's not a sort of a flat, emotionless... Uh, dismissal of the reality of. I the certainly world. don't get that from Lisa at all. There is a fascination I, I get loads with this. of animation. There's a fascination with this, and in this stories arise, but there's no sense that I am more that I am somebody that is more those stories than anything else. It's all appearing in what is. But before, prior, there used to be a sense that I was somebody inside this body, and I was my past, and I am my future, and I am someone going along in time. Then that seemingly collapsed, although that's another story. And then there was just what is left. And what is is more, much more fascinating than that me dynamic that was happening pr prior. But that doesn't mean to dismiss emotions. Like, full-on emotions happen. Yeah. So would you say in your experience that the emotions and the perceptions and the actions and everything else uh, is all contained within that what is? Everything's contained within what is. It's all there ever is. Yeah, so the what is is not sort of a flat, colorless, uh, no. homogenous sap. It's it's sort it's of full, full of life. It's full Without of life. That and one that's trying to avoid it anymore. Yeah, it's full of dynamism and and um, and richness and diversity, but yeah. all contained within the wholeness or the oneness. So, so would it be would would you would you be correct then to say, Lisa, that? Over there, where where over there, um, that what's arising is that the life is full of individuation and variety and individual things, but not you. You're the one thing which has no individual nature. There's, um, uh, life is full of of um, appearances. There's no one appearance that's more. Some but they're different. Different appearances. There's a difference between your your hair and your nose, or your table or your chair, and, um, and, and the different colours. You can the tell the difference between different colours. Seemingly different appearances, but um, but they're not separate in any way. They're different, but they're not separate. So you mean they're separate and not separate? No, they're just the seemingly different appearances. Right. So there's seemingly um, a computer and a table and a hand that touches yep. the computer. Yeah. Um, but it's no, there's no longer the sense that the hand is um, that somebody stops at the edge of the hand and the computer begins there. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this so, is what so, is. So, kind of, so, you, so it seems to me that actually what you're describing is not dissimilar in a way, that you're describing it being separate and not separate, that you're um, able to tell the difference between your hand no, or your hand I'm a, and the computer, and I'm also a, no, there's no boundary between them. I'm a bore. I'm a negative teacher. Really? If I'm, if I'm, I'm not even a teacher, but a negative speaker. Right. Like a negative as in like, um, like it's not that I am all appearances. Yeah. Is that that one that thinks it's separate falls away, and then all they're left is appearances. Sure. The appearances are all the same essence of oneness, aliveness. But 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 what you're describing again seems not dissimilar, just in a different language. It's because what you're saying is, look, you can tell the difference between your computer and your hand, or the computer and the table, and yet they're all of one essence. So there's no separateness. So there is a separateness which you can recognise, because you've switched but the computer it's, it's on, not, but and it's there's not, not a separateness. Yeah. Recognition would only ever be in thought when the thoughts disappear. There's just what is. Oh, so sure. there might be a the thought that arises and says, yeah. "Oh, Lisa's hand got burnt on the computer, or burnt, or bitten by the dog, or something." Right. But that's in thought. Then when that dissolves, then there's just what is again. Of course, yes. When there's when there's when there's silence, there is what is. Yes, for sure. But obviously, thought serves a function. You need to walk down the street, and you need to recognize that no, thoughts aren't the creator of this. Thoughts are just something that appears in this. Thoughts do not create functioning. Oh, I didn't thoughts say they did. Oh, okay. I thought you said you need thoughts in order to function. It serves a purpose. It's a faculty. When, when you're walking down the street, you know, uh, you might need to recognize that this is a bus and it's moving very fast and it's large and it's heavy and I better not stand in front of it. But that, that, that all, that's not all a meditation process. It happens kind of spontaneously. But yeah, you rec you know, for, through learning, you, you learn that as a child that you don't run in front of buses. The body mind mechanism becomes conditioned, but it doesn't need to be thought about. There's many no. a time, I'm sure, when Rick's crossed the road and there's been no thinking about how to do it. Absolutely, most of the time. Body's mind mechanism, yeah. But there was, <laughs> there was some. It's amazing how quickly we can type. We're not like, what are you over or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, actually, that's probably it. I shouldn't have taken I think, I th down I think, that no, road. No, Rick, I think you should have done because okay. I think you're right. Um, and I think, again, it's kind of like we're, 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 we're oversimplifying things because they're also complex as well as simple but, and, and ironic for me because I'm a great man of the simple. Everything I do is about the simple. But also, you know, with thoughts, you say about the learning process. What Just we do when we learn is that we, we start by uh, being conscious of it and thinking about it. And then we, once we've learned it, we can do it automatically. So when yeah. you've got kids, you're constantly trying to get them to be conscious, use their thoughts, to be able to think about things. When you make a discovery, if you're using physics, you're going to need maths. You know, we need these languages. But there comes a point where it just functions. Um, but that's a journey to that place. And, I mean, any, any good violinist or skier or tennis player or uh, – we have a dog interruption here, but <laughs> I think – Sorry. That's okay. So I, I think based on what Tim just was just saying, um, you know, there's so many things in life that we might have taken some thought when we were first learning them, but have become automatic because they're they're so deeply ingrained, like a, a, an athletic ability or a musical ability or something like that. It, it just all becomes second nature to us after a while. So we, we need uh, both of these. It always it seems it's both. It's not either or. It's both and. We need unconscious competence. That ability to just let it flow is is the most attractive place to be. But sometimes to arrive there, often to arrive there, we go through conscious learning, and that's where we use all the faculties which nature has given us, which are wonderful. And that's what you see in growing up, and that's what you see as you carry on growing up. Actually, right to the end, you're constantly doing it. And I come back again to the fact that we're speaking, 
and we just take that for granted as if it's just happening. But it's not just happening. It's arrived, we've arrived at this ability to speak, and we've learnt that ability to speak, and now it's just happening. I interviewed Gary Weber last week, and you were on a conference with him at the. You were on a panel with him at the conference, Tim. Yes. And one of Gary's big things is that he doesn't think. Yes. Um, although he did acknowledge in the interview that yeah, he does think, just not so much anymore. And I think one thing that happens is you know if we contrast the blah blah type of thinking that the noise in the head, the ten radio stations at the same time that uh, is that's most people's experience with the the silent virtually thoughtless mind that uh, we might uh, shift to uh, after undergoing some sort of awakening, it seems that we're not thinking at all and that everything is, is just happening on its own. But there's still thought. It's just much more subtle. Gary mentioned an impulse of energy or something. Again, that's, a, that's a thought. Are we talking about conscious thought or unconscious? I mean, the, you know, there's certain there's certain um, a brain uh, people studying the brain who think we're having so, just a gigantic number of thoughts all the time, of which a small number become conscious. It's a very complicated issue, but obviously, in his experience, that's what Gary's saying. For for me, it's like thought. It's it is to use Lisa's lovely phrase, imagination, and we, uh, we're imagining speaking. Here, I'm speaking out loud, uh, and then I learn to speak to myself in my head. Now, speaking is just speaking. It can be really good, or it could be really, you know, I could talk rubbish, um, and I can talk rubbish to you, or we can have a really interesting conversation, which I feel having now. And the same inside your head when you're thinking. You know, you can talk rubbish to yourself, which is blah, 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 and it can be worries and nonsense and blah, and that's where the mind gets a bad press. Or you can think some of the beautiful thoughts which have led people to create wonderful poetry and works of art and music and science and work out things and reflect and that's a huge and beautiful thing and it's taken a great deal of human effort from our ancestors to arrive at and I honor them for it and so it becomes like hey you know let's let's thoughts great if we think good things all of these things have a place but if they also have another side because everything has that paradoxical nature I think we were really onto something a minute ago when Lisa was talking about, um, or maybe I was putting words in her mouth, but she was acknowledging, <laughs> she was acknowledging the the fact that uh, there's all this richness and diversity and and in interesting stuff, but it's all contained within wholeness or oneness, if we want to call it that, and that's the essence of all this diversity. It's the diversity really is nothing other than that, and I think that completely concurs with the traditional Vedantic perspective, and I think it also concurs with the modern scientific perspective. You know, a physicist will tell you that all this apparent diversity is not what it appears to be. It, you know, it really is Maya in a sense. It's that which is not. And if you boil it down to its essence, you find that it's anything that appears to be individuated or diverse is actually all the same stuff. And I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, but I think you're, you're kind of giving expression to that in, in your own experience. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was easy. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm a wordy it's guy. I'm, one, I'm using it's a lot of words. But. One movement. And I think um, like uh, what you guys were saying earlier, I have not forgotten actually what you were saying, there was at some point a thought <laughs> that came to the back, but I've forgotten what it was now. Ah, uh, well, we were talking about 
the diversity within unity or the, the sort mm. of the, the dynamism within oneness, yeah. within, within silence. That's another word we could throw in here is silence. There's you know, this deep, palpable, pervading silence, and yet it's, it's dynamic, kind of like currents within an ocean or something. Mm. Yeah, this is all just one big movement happening and not <laughs> happening at the same time. <laughs> Hap happening within itself. <laughs> happening or not happening, or yeah, you could say within itself, but there's no outside of itself either. True. So anything that is happening, <laughs> I is... feel like a I feel like a guy who's on this incredible boat speeding along <laughs> with waves crashing and people going, "Hold on, and let's do that." And look at that, it's amazing. And porpoises are diving out, and someone's by my side going, "It's just water. It's just water." And it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, but come on." <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of the Gita for some reason at this point where there's this huge battle about to occur and you know tens of thousands of people are going to be killed and Krishna just has this smile on his face you know like and you know basically says I've already killed him and it's a done deal uh, there's there's this sort of you know incredible intense diverse display of creation and yet it's all happening within this sort of playfulness of of the creator it's all you know i i think i could uh, anyway enough said on that point somebody chime in all lisa? right i'll try I'll, well, lisa oh. you got that would be lovely i'd love to hear you uh i f i miss what you last said i'm sorry just that you know the universe is incredibly dynamic they're, you know, on the subatomic level, it's dynamic. If we release the energy contained in a single atom, it's this huge explosion. On, you know, the galactic level, it's dynamic. There are black holes and quasars and things crashing into each other. And, and the whole thing is this vast, marvelous display of, we could call it creative intelligence. Uh, and yet it is just an appearance. The physicists will tell you that you can boil all that down to the unmanifest, to sort of just a virtual nothingness or virtual reality but but back but you can't say that's only it and you can't kind of rest on the understanding of that a physicist can't say well there's really no gravity because at the quantum level gravity hasn't arisen and then go jumping off a building and expect to get away with it um uh tim <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think what you say is really important. Uh, look, look the, thing, the thing about which we see in science, which is amazing, is that we've been able to find this deep simplicity, and that's very similar to non-duality. And then the mystery then becomes, how is this individuation, individuated complexity, of, of which has given us consciousness, arisen from that nothing? From that incredible simplicity, uh, and and yet and in a, in a, in arising, each time something new emerges, it's more than the parts. This is a really interesting thing, and it's led to us who can now think about and reflect on these things. Now, my feeling is that's that, that keeping that process is it going is really important. So, so for me, what I'm interested in is a uh, uh, an exploration of awakening, which is transrational, not pre-rational to use uh, Ken Wilber's excellent phrase. See, I think if we go for the pre-rational, which is going, oh, rationality, nothing, don't want that. We're very similar to the trans-rational, which is what I think the great mystics are talking about. It, and 
and it sounds the same, but it's not. It's before rationality. The trans-rational, and this is your guy in the you know 707 who's awake and able to fly it, which, by the way, proved that I wasn't enlightened because I couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, what it does is it goes, look, the trans-rational has transcended rationality and found this deep state of being but contains the rational or the transhuman, if you like, which contains the human. It hasn't gone back before it, which is where we start as kids. It's discovered that place we start at kid, as kids, where we're just like in the moment smiling, going, it's just happening, it's just happening. But we've got this as well, because we've gone through that on the evolutionary journey, so we're, we're able to transcend and include what is gone before. So it's non-dual, and it's dual. It's not done by having to lose anything. You just gain more. Any response to that, Lisa? No, this uh, this um, this body. I'm not so um, so heady, and this stuff doesn't um, keep this interest. Not that you guys aren't fascinating in your own right, but let's talk about love. Let's talk about love for five minutes. Like I kind of um, begin to phase out, so I'm not. I don't mean to be rude. No, that's okay. You know, as I was thinking that as Tim was talking, I was thinking, to Lisa, all of this must sound so complicated and yeah, he yeah. he heady, heady, as you say, and yeah. and unnecessarily intellectual and all that. But you know, that's just the but way. But it may to interest some people, and I don't criticize. Yeah. Or there's not a judgment of that. For some people, that's really interesting, and that's mm -hmm. not a criticism. It's just for this body mind mechanism, there's more of an enjoyment in other things. Yeah. Okay. So and, let's and, that's, and that's completely legitimate. I mean, that's the way Tim is wired, and I'm wired that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. It's extent, not so meant not, to be a criticism as, or a judgment. Not as well. But we're all kind of different expressions of that same yeah. totality, each with our own unique tendencies. And yours happen to be, you know, not so complicated. Really, you're a simple person in, in a in a complementary sense. Yeah. It didn't used to be that way. Lisa used to be incredibly complicated. Oh yeah. But, um, that like not complicated in like a yeah feeling. Um, a lot more um, concerned, but more concerned about rather than um, mental stuff as in understanding things, it was more uh, this energy of wanting love or wanting to get things from people or wanting approval or and that got very complicated or that game became very complicated in the Lisa story of right, trying right. To, to get love from people or get things mm -hmm. from people, but not so much on the intellectual level, more on Emotional yeah. things, yeah, yeah, and now you're just more fulfilled within your fulfilled and not so. Just that mechanism of feeling like it needs to constantly get things from people doesn't. Right, do, doesn't operate anymore. Tim, were you about to say? I say uh, I don't. I just say I play. I didn't say any more because who knows what? We don't know the future. We just know now. Yeah, you might be going for a PhD yeah. in neuroscience in a few years, for all we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was an interesting interchange at this at the sand conference in California last fall in which um, David Loy and Llewellyn von Lee gave a beautiful talk about spiritual ecology and then later on Francis Lucille got up and was started to give his talk and David Loy got up to the mic and started pressing Francis Lucille about the ecological issues that you know confront the world and Francis was like doesn't interest me, and it's not my concern. It's not what I talk about or think about. And David Lloyd says, "Well, you know, it should be your concern. I mean, it should be all our concern. Can't we bring spirituality to these more critical global issues?" And Francis was like, 
eh, the earth is like a speck of dust in the big picture of things. And there was this interesting tussle that went back and forth for a while. And uh, I'm just le reading Llewellyn's book now on spiritual ecology. And uh, I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is just to introduce this issue of does this simple, pure, non-dual realization have any larger utility aside from making our life more simple and, and perhaps enjoyable and, and meaningful? Does it have some larger significance for the world? No. Okay. I thought you were going to say that. And Tim? <laughs> oh, I, I really hope so. Rick, because to me, the thing which is, which is, you know, I don't, I mean, this is not missing in Lisa um, at all. I can see it loud and clear in Lisa and in many other people who who have developed the uh, way of thinking about things that Lisa has. Um, that, but the and and the the love. I wanted to talk about love because love is the key. You know, at the end of the day. You know where I do agree with Lisa completely is that eventually it can just be yeah 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 it's all interesting it's fun I enjoy it but the place where I want to rest always is is with love and for me love arises in my humanity when I'm in touch with this deep oneness when I can connect as one and many with the world and with each other and so there's a lovely line to I mentioned the Gnostics earlier in the Gospel of Thomas which I uh, love. It's a line which really struck me one day when I read it, where it says, they're talking about the gnosis, which is the waking up to the state that we've been talking about, the non-dual, the knowing, the thing, you, the one thing you know and you don't know anything else and you can't say what it is. It's just it, what it is. The thing that Lisa is, is, is um, t talking about uh, very well is, it says, those who are free because of gnosis become slaves because of love. And that's my experience, is that as I wake up to this oneness, as I, as I see that there is a place where there is no Tim and no anyone, and it's all happening and it's one, it's arising, that recognition is arising through consciousness which is individuated in this uh, human being called Tim. And that when those both arise together, there is separateness and not separateness, and this is huge love. And that love is what makes me want to come back to the story. And that's what I—that's where I become a slave to love, to bring love into life, and to if the, you know bring love to the environment, the planet, life forms, to life itself, to each other, to to heal the suffering which is out there, to cope with you know like right now my mum is next door and she's not well, she has cancer, and I love her, and I want to bring that to her, and that I want to be—I want to increase the love in the world because that oneness arises this big big love and that's what makes me so passionate about not resting with the it's just but coming back in and it's also so that we can bring that love really dynamically into life and that is to take a risk it's to take a risk that we'll become human again and we've just escaped it and we may not want to come back to being human again but actually it's safe once you know that you're safe here you can take the risk of being human again mm. They say we're they say we're in the sixth great extinction. Archaeologists have identified six or five previous ones, and this is the first one that's man-made. And uh, you know, every day, entire species go extinct, uh, and there's all all kinds of tremendous suffer, suffering, both of animals and people all over the world, because of the kind of environment, because of the influence humans have had on the world. And one of the things you know, Llewellyn's book is exploring is that. This is all symptomatic 
of a very dualistic, materialistic, mechanistic mentality that has dominated the world for a long time now and, and given us all kinds of powerful technologies without any kind of deeper uh, moral or spiritual foundation. And that this, the solution to all this is not just more technology in terms of like better solar panels and wind turbines and all that, but a spiritual awakening. And, and so because then it will really... Um, you know that that will go deep enough to actually cure the malaise that has given rise to all this mess that we've created in the world. So I, I say in that sense that uh, non-duality or spirituality does have practical significance that would be of value for anybody who's alive or for anybody who loves life or loves animals or loves people or anything else. So. You know this whole notion that the and I heard it in the Dream Bus movie. One of the speakers, I think it might have been Tony Parsons, just saying eh, it doesn't really matter what happens to the world because it's all an illusion. Um, yeah, on some level that's true, but uh, do do we really feel that? I mean, if your child gets hit by a bus, does that matter? Sure, you care about that. If you're watching an, an animal being tortured, sorry to be graphic, yeah. I mean, if you have a heart, you care about that. So you don't brush it off as illusion. And yet, this stuff is happening on a global scale. And I think that you know we're this sort of non-dual community is a very small and relatively unknown thing. But I think it's a powerful force for transformation and, and uh, in the world which really will mean something to all of us illusory though we may ultimately be the way I see it is I don't see love as ours when the love is yours it's then all conditioned love it's then all trying to get something from someone or trying to give that love to someone love is what is love is the essence of everything and so it's not that helping the dog or bringing a rescuing a dog from Thailand. I just rescued a dog from Thailand, Tim. I think I told Rick. It doesn't happen. It's not that those things don't happen, but it's not my love. It wasn't that I decided to do that. It's that life put in that play. It wrote in that momentum. But mm. because life is in opposites, there's always going to be decay and destruction. It's part of what happens in this. And so there's always going to be, um, there's never going to be a peaceful world in that sense because the way in which life is set up is from one form to change to another form continuously one form I mean it's happening and it's not happening so you could say there's a side where it's not really changing or moving but in one way there is movement happening and in that movement it's always one form is changing to another form and as soon as one form becomes its most beautiful it then begins to decay and be destroyed and become into another form so there's never going to be peace in the flow of life there's never going to be this peaceful idea that people long for. The, the, that peace is an illusion that's all about mental concepts of how we'd like it to look like. It is what it is, and the love is the end of the resistance to what it is. And that doesn't mean that helping, that bringing the dog back to England doesn't happen, but it's not mine. I'm not compassionate. I'm not claiming any of that. That, to me, is the arrogance is the mistake. It's just something that happens. And it also works the other way around. If you're the murderer or the paedophile, if that's the character that's played out, the murderer or the paedophile, then that also doesn't belong to them, doesn't belong to someone. It's just what's happening. So I just I see love as completely impersonal. When love is personalized, then it's what can I get from that person? How can I give them my love or how can I get love from another? When it's not personal, then love is everything. 
And everything, yes, is constantly changing into different forms, so there's always destruction happening as well as growth, but it's not personal. When it's personalized, then the suffering begins. I, can I just say, I thought that was a fantastic bit of philosophy there. <laughs> really beautifully put. <laughs> I really did. It was lovely. And I agree with you completely. I think that's right. Only half the story, of course, but it's absolutely right. I also love my child, and it's my child. And I really love her. And I love all children because there is a, there is a, there is a love which is for everything and everyone, and that's the, that's the big love. That's the state of being, and you're right. It's when you see the world is just love vibrating. And then it individuates. And then there's, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a horrible love, my love for my child. It's a beautiful love. It's a beautiful love as well. It's that particular colour well, of yeah, love. Yeah, everything, everything is that love. But I just, this, I think it, well, it's not I think, but there can be, and who know, I don't know what Tim and Rick are talking about ultimately. It's, just, it's the sounds coming out. I can't say you're talking like me or we're coming from the same perspective. That's not known. But um, it doesn't have to belong to someone, and yet functioning or appearances can carry on happening. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's wrong if it does appear that it belongs to someone. Or mm. right, that's just another appearance happening. Mm. But I don't think there can ever be back to the subject. that well, It's impossible for there ever to be peace on Earth. Well, you know, you, you, you're, uh, you're probably right. And, it's always uh, going to change into different I, I, forms. I, I, I don't, yeah, but you're certainly and right some formed, and some. That. Some You're right people about are going to want the forms to stay same. So maybe in Tim, there'll be a wanting for this, for the child to stay in that form. But it's always going to change eventually. Yes, you're right. Rather and going to rot. And yet also, you know, because if you know, there has been um, an evolutionary change as well. Now all forms do turn into each other. You know, I'm witnessing that happen with my mum right now. I'm like my daughter growing into her form and blossoming like a flower, and my mum is wilting. Yeah. And and there's and the, how can we possibly we say what's a better form? Oh, I don't know that we need to. I don't. But then that's the to. whole that's the whole momentum behind saving the planet is that oh. this is the best form. Oh. That this is what it should look mm. like. We don't know. We just know mm. what is. That doesn't mean that the body mind mechanisms each don't do certain things like rescuing a dog or some other ones might do mm. murdering. But better or worse is indistinguishable. We can't mm. name that. We just know what happens. Just yeah. innocently, what mm. is happening and appearing. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I think you end up in a very, I mean, not you, well, I can't say that because you you're not there, so I, I would be wrong to say it in this conversation. It worries me, that's, that perspective. I would, if we were, you know, if I would... If we, it only if we, worries you, it can only worry you if, you if there's a sense that you are separate from oneness. But there is, there is a sense of being, being oneness and individual, and there's being a part of the fact that I am life, conscious of itself, and my engagement with it as the one, conscious as someone, is what this is is. I am the one conscious of someone engaging creatively. I am the very creative force and part of that creativity is to come up through this individuality as this consciously separate individual to think, because that's what human beings do, to feel, to connect, to care, to enter into the great drama of, of life which is unfolding as the one arising as someone to bring that knowledge into the drama and to move it on. And but that doesn't really feel beautiful. like the action is Tim's. It well depends where you stand. If you stand back far enough, there's no Tim, so there's no one to be, you know, mm. to do anything. If you come right into it, there most certainly is, and that's where we can play as separate. And I can't prejudice one over the other because they're both true. That's like going, you think there's a wave? Surely, how could you say that? It's just ocean. Well, it's a both. <laughs> it's clearly both. 
and let's and that's why it's so beautiful to engage. Well, and why I say it worries me is when I come into the individuated story as Tim, and I hear this, you know, I see this amazing um, a woman saying these amazing things, articulating this one side of it so well. Uh, it feels to me that the conclusions, the quietest conclusion that it arrives at, if it hasn't got both, is actually un can, it, you know, it doesn't matter that it is, but it can undercut the very thing which life is, the one is doing, which is arising as separate individuals to be conscious, to be creative, to engage. And that, it, to me, is the is the is the symphony of life, and we get to we get to sing a short verse, and how wonderful that is. There, you know, there are cycles in life, and obviously, we're not in the middle of World War II right now. Pol, the Pol Pot regime is not doing its thing. You know, Stalin is not in, in the middle of killing 20 million people. There are there are cycles, and sometimes things are better, and sometimes things are worse. Uh, but theoretically, I mean, if you go to the Hindu perspective and all that there could be an age and has been an age where things are really rosy and it's a it's a lovely world to live in and so as you say Lisa I mean one thing changes to the next and but we may be in the upswing right now towards a more wholesome world in which which is just more enjoyable for people to live in I'll tell you a story you know they're always it's always gonna rot that's eventually, eventually. I mean, eventually, this planet isn't going to be here. Eventually, mm -hmm. our sun is going to expand and engulf it. You know, so there are cycles, and uh, you know, to to everything there is a season. But um, you know, you probably heard of Ama, the hugging saint, and uh, yeah. I I saw her a couple times this summer, so I, I'm reminded of this story. But she, in addition to having hugged 32 million people over the last so many years and doing that, you know, many many hours a day, and and having that be a really moving experience for those individuals in her spare time. You know, she's built all these hospitals and schools and orphanages and working on farmer suicides and building houses for tsunami victims and on and on and on, a big long list. And yet, she, you know, she knows a thing or two about non-duality. I mean, I'm quite sure she's established in seeing the world as one and in seeing everything as one and so on. And in fact, one time one of her swamis said to her, well, what more can we do for the world? And she said, what world? You know, so she's got that. But at the same time, you, you see somebody like that who is just drenched in, in the knowingness of, of the non-dual reality of life, exerting every iota of energy and strength to improve the world. Now, that, that seems very paradoxical, but it also seems to be the way it has gone throughout history for uh, you know, highly realized beings to overflow you know, my cup runneth over, to, to naturally rise in waves of, of compassion and to devote their their lives to bettering the world. I don't even see though, compassion as bettering the world at all. So it doesn't better the world for tsunami victims to have a home or for, you know, for young girls to be saved from prostitution in the in the slums of Calcutta or any of those things. That's not a betterment of their of their lives or at least of their little corner of the world. It's a nice. Um, it's nicer than them having to be a prostitute or being starving or starving to death on the street. So it's better. It's it's not um, that. All things come in opposites. Yeah, and we tend to prefer. Whatever comes and whatever is the most beautiful will also rot and be destroyed as well, and that's the nature of this world. All forms eat each other. We're predators, like dogs are predators. I'm a big lover of, of dogs, and dogs mm -hmm. are such vicious killers. They're the most successful pack animal. They can take down massive buffaloes. And yeah, that's, yeah. That's the nature of this. All uh -huh. forms change. 
And the sure. me dynamic, the personal dynamic, is always trying to make it permanent and safe and fix it so it's not scary. I'm not saying is don't it? do nice things. I'm saying that there is no one separate from life itself. There is no one that's doing that good action. There is no one doing a bad action. There's just action happening. And whatever it's labeled as isn't truth. It's a tiny little label in language, a tiny little label in language that's saying it's better. That's a tiny, tiny little perspective. It's not known. This is all mystery. It's not known. I'm not saying that what this body-mind mechanism would or wouldn't do in certain situations. Who knows what it would do? But what I'm talking about is the end of defining someone as a good person, someone as a bad person, one action as a right action, one action as a wrong action, one act action as a better action, one action as a worse action. That's not known. Do you believe that in hot and cold? Known. Sorry? Do you believe in hot and cold? I don't believe there's... There's no hot or cold? Ice is, ice is the same as your stove? So there's just sensation happening, and if the hand is burnt, more than likely the hand will move away from being burnt. But this right. is all language, and ultimately something isn't cold, something isn't hot. That's just language which has been put onto it. The dog's not labeling it as hot or cold, and yet it's still there's still experience happening. I totally agree. I mean, there, there's a level on which there is no hot or cold. There is no, uh, you know, fast or slow, big or small, um, you know, old or young. All those dualities are ultimately... Yeah, and the me dynamic's always going to try and run to the peaceful experience and the peaceful world, and it will never ever get there. It's like a hamster in a wheel. It's this the natural, natural tendency of life. It's the natural tendency yeah. to move toward greater happiness, greater, greater enjoyment, greater fulfillment. One doesn't choose to put one's hand on a hot stove because it's unfulfilling. Well, <laughs> that's it. Just is because that's what happens. You have any thoughts on that? All that, Tim. <laughs> Uh, I'm just in, in, really intrigued by how we've gone around in, in big circles with this. Um, yes, it is all mystery. You know, the irony is just about everything which Lisa is saying you could read in my my many of my books, um, and almost you know like so there is such a strong resonance. But as well, there is the opposite because as Lisa herself said, everything comes in opposites. So everything is separate and not separate. Everything is one and many. Everything has, is distinguishable and indistinguishable, depending on where you stand. Now, you can choose to try and stand just in one place. Uh, whether you can actually do that or just claim you're doing that, I hold open because I genuinely don't know. And meeting Ramesh Balsakar, who I know was a big influence on Lisa too, I believe, you know, was a wonderful experience because it was somebody who could articulate, I mean, a great philosopher, uh, amazing philosopher, who could articulate this, uh, that perspective. Uh, but ultimately, I remember sitting with Ramesh, and it was, at the time, I didn't pick up on it, but it, it troubled me, and I could feel it. Because somebody, a woman said, it was, uh, had come with her, her husband's ashes, she'd come to put in the Ganges from Europe and, he, and Ramesh's attitude was you know well there's nobody there and it doesn't matter and then somebody at the back said what about love and there was only about five of us there it was a very long time ago and Ramesh said love is the opposite of and something went oh yeah I get all of that but I want to go up to that woman and go oh, you know tell me about your husband and how was it and da, 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 and just and just find that personal connection as well that is what has happened to me after that was that from from that huge revelation which lasted from numbers of years and a lot of stuff which I wrote at that time this journey back into the personal so that I agree with everything that the fundamentalist as I would call it or reductionist is the best word reductionist non-dualists say 
but it's reductionist. And just as I understand what the reductionist scientists say, but it's reductionist. And what it's missing out is the bit in between. They both go to the it's just one, either in the physical object or in the spiritual subject. It's just one. And it is one, and this is why they sit together so well, actually, because they're both reductionist. And what they lose is the place where we started in the middle, where all the colors are, and where everything is in this individuation process in time. So that that gets lost, and yet that, to me, and it doesn't have to be to everyone, is really precious, which is why I do care about the planet. I do want to engage with the drama, even though it does hurt. I do want to engage to make it a better world for my children, even though I don't expect to ever see a perfect world, and may not even see a better one. I do want to make all of those commitments, and I would love it if more of us did. Well, I think one thing we can conclude from all this is it's going to be an interesting conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Boris so, uh, has still got his mustache on. Boris has his mustache. <laughs> he, he, he's going to wear it to the conference. So, Boris, can you give us like a little, but some details about when and where this conference is going to be and what people can do? Oh, your mustache just slipped. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, can I can I just have my turn at the loo break, please? Just thirty seconds. I'll be back. In a... Well, we're just about done. If, uh, we're okay. done with this interview, so can you just tell us about the right. conference, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. All right, great. Well, first of all, thank you ever so much, guys. It was <laughs> in terms of a conversation, it was like the perfect curve. You know, when you watch a film, you have the entertainment curve, and it was just brilliant. I, I really enjoyed it. Conference. I would just say. It's weekend of the 31st of August and the 1st of September, bank holiday weekend. Please come along if you want to become enlightened. There goes a flying pig. Uh, if you, but you know, everyone's, lots of people who are going to be coming have a sincere search, a yearning to find the answers. And I, I, I really think it's the, it's, it's the right place to come if you, if you are doing that. And um, we've got 10 fantastic speakers. So come along, please. Great, and there's a website, right, where people can find out about this and sign up and so on? There's a website, yeah, dreambuslive.com. Okay. Um, and we've got some videos on there with uh, all of the speakers, and all of the information is there, and the booking information, so you can, can book your tickets, and uh, we'll see you there, hopefully. Okay, and so let me make a couple of quick wrap-up points. I will be putting all this on uh, batgap.com, and I'll be linking to the conference and linking to Tim's and Lisa's websites and all that, as usual. And a few other things you'll find there. I know Boris is desperate to go to the bathroom, but I'll bear with me for a second. There's a lot of other interviews on batgap.com, which you'll find categorized alphabetically and chronologically. There's a place to make a donation. There's a place to sign up for an email newsletter. There's a discussion group, all kinds of stuff. So uh, feel free to go there. There's also an audio podcast. So that's it for now. I have another interview this morning, which will be both more and less serious than this one. And <laughs> so thanks, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, and guys. Thanks to yeah, those who've been listening or watching. It's thanks. been really, uh, it's been really great to uh, to take part in this. Thanks, Lisa, for being so playful. <laughs> yeah, thanks, really Tim. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you all. Bye. Bye.